Okay, um, so I'm just going to kick us off here today, and then I'm going to invite Kimber up. But um, welcome for anyone who doesn't know me. My name's Nat. Um, you'll hear my children calling me Nat too, because I don't respond to mom, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, you'll hear me responding to Nat or babe <laughs> from my darling husband, Sheldon. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, he's only allowed to call me that. Um, we are into our third week of um, Courageous Community. And we are so excited to say that we have seen this community respond to this. We have seen, um, it's so exciting to see that people have resonated with this thing of being a part of Courageous Community. And we've seen this through people getting stuck in to life groups. So um, we had four life groups kick off on Tuesday. Um, we had another group of ladies take over the round table at BBM on Thursday morning. We've got a group of ladies who are going to start meeting in Grateful, all of our darling ladies um, who, who serve our children on Sundays. And there's apparently a men's group that's brewing. Not necessarily beer, but there's talk of a men's group um, being drawn together. And so I just think it's wonderful that in, in this community, we've got all these little pockets of life that are just springing up and we know that in those spaces, courage is going to grow and hearts are going to be set on fire. So I just want to pray for those groups quickly. Fathers, thank you that you have um, spoken to the lives of your people and that there are groups meeting and gathering around our community as a part of this olive story. And Father, we pray you would add to their number daily. God, we ask that you would make those little families, families that set one another on fire, that inspire each other to courage. Would you just please breathe on each and every group? In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, yeah, we're very, very stoked about that. Um, and I know that it's so tempting to sometimes just go, um, I really am tired and I'm going to tune in for an out of Netflix or reading. And I'm not knocking those things, but I do know that nothing will set your heart on fire and activate you in your faith more than assembling with a group of like-minded people. So just keep it up. And if you weren't able to get plugged into a group yet, it's not too late. Please come and chat to Candy and I, and we will, Candy or I, and we will plug you in. Um, why we believe this is so important is because Jesus modeled it. And we don't believe that Jesus did anything that he doesn't want to see us doing. And so he assembled this motley crew, very unlike people together in a group. And this group went on to completely change the face of the earth. Um, this, this group of people who probably were very disagreeable <laughs> with one another. And yet they were unified through his spirit and went and exploded the name of Jesus throughout the world. And that's how, how we are here today. And so we celebrate a community who's gone, yes, we want to be a part of that. And people who are going that they have a deep desire to speak about the things in life that really matter. Not simply hamster wheeling our way through life, but actually going, I want to talk about things that really matter. And people who are saying, I have a desire to know people and to be known. I want to be in a group where I can not only be vulnerable, but that my vulnerability will lead to breakthrough because of a like-minded group of people. And so I'm really trusting that these, these will be little pockets where there will be um, terrifying moments and tear-stained cheeks and heart explosions and all sorts of things happening as we white-knuckle it the way Jesus wanted us to do it. So, um, yeah, sign up if you want to. Today I'm going to speak about a topic that um, can be rather terrifying. Uh, some people within the church are terrified by it, and people outside of the church are certainly terrified or at least freaked out by it. Um, but before I I go there, I just wanted to draw you in in a way that I think would feel more natural. I think many of you would have gone to some kind of a big concert. And as you walk in to a big concert, hands up if you have. Big luck, band, yeah. You walk in and you're just met 
with something in the air. There's an electricity, there's a vibe, there's a hiss. And when that music comes on, if you know that song, your hands go up, you sing terribly loudly. And if there's space, you dance with wild abandon. And you're just, your, your spirit is engaging with a spirit at a concert, okay? And for those of you who don't like music, you might have been to a Bafana game or a um, Booger game or a Sharks game. And you walk in and there's just, a, yes, there's an atmosphere that is electrifying. And, and um, you, 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 you can't see it, but it's there and it's working and it's affecting you. Um, and it's invisible, it's unseen, but it, it's working, you feel it. Do you know what I'm talking about, everybody? And if the, if the team that you're supporting loses, you go home with a little bit of a spirit of defeat. And if the team that you're supporting wins, you go home with the spirit of victory. Um, and today what we're talking about is the Holy Spirit, God's greatest gift for his church. And it is an unseen spirit, and it's a spirit that comes from a place of victory. And we want to talk about this today, and we want to help you to be less freaked out by it. We want to answer some questions, and we want to give people an opportunity to respond. But please don't get freaked out. Don't worry. This is not going to be um, anything beyond anybody's comfort zone. So um, we're talking about this greatest gift that God gave to us, the Holy Spirit. And I just want to read this from John 3, verse 8. In the, yeah, and John says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Another way I've heard this described is that you can't see the Holy Spirit, but you can see its effect. You can see it in lives changed, in families transformed, in communities changed. You can't see it, but you can see its effect, just like the wind. And Jesus believed that the Holy Spirit was so good and so important that he said it was better that he go away, that he leave us, because if he didn't go, the Holy Spirit couldn't come. And today we just really and truly recognize that if we are going to be a community who are taking steps in faith, we will not be able to do that courageously without the Holy Spirit. If it's growth in our faith that we're after, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to do that. And so today is really for two things. The first is to convince you that in order to be courageous in your faith, you need the Holy Spirit. And the second is to just unpack why the Holy Spirit is such a gift in a faith community. So I'm reading, first of all, from Acts 1, verse 1 to 8. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about, about all that Jesus had began to do and teach. Now, this is Luke writing Acts. He wrote two books. The first surprise was called Luke, and the second is Acts. So he's saying, Theophilus, remember in my first book, I spoke about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. Carrying on in verse 2, until the day that he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So what's fascinating here is it says, we're talking about Jesus, uh, Luke's accounting for the fact that Jesus began to do and teach, but it's talking about after the fact of his life, death, and resurrection, and going up to heaven. So how can it be that he's only began to do his teaching if he's up in heaven? What more can he do whilst he's up in heaven? He can only continue to do his work through the Holy Spirit, which he gives to us as a gift. Everything that he did in his ministry was through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And everything that the church is meant to do as a community gathers in faith is meant to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Moving on in Acts 4, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So now in Luke's first book, he had said um, that, that the word of God would be preached, the good news would be preached to all the nations. Um, and it would start in Jerusalem. But now in his second book, we hear that he's saying, there is this work to be done, but don't do it until you are given this gift of power. So he's actually saying, don't do the work of the church. Don't go and do what you're commissioned to do until you have this power. The reason being that if we do it without the Holy Spirit, it's exhausting. It's draining. We're, We're using and burning up all our reserves, which are only human. And yet when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we have access to reserves which will never run dry. And Jesus never wanted us to do the work of spreading his word without a heavenly empowerment. So then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. So what we see here is that these people were waiting on a king. They were waiting for a king in the order of kings that they'd seen, like David or Solomon. And they were expecting a man on a throne. And yet we know that Jesus came to be an utterly different king. He came to show an utterly different type of kingdom. And so they're going, are you going to come and be the solution and sort all this nonsense out? And he says, no, it's not for you to know the time. And, you know, the human condition is to go, when is this going to be resolved? When am I going to find a spouse? When is my financial solution going to come? When, is things, when are things going to improve at, at work? When is the country going to get better? When are, God, when are you just going to come and do what you can do? And the answer is not what we want. It's the Father knows the time, but you will not know the time. But what I will do is give you my Holy Spirit. So for every problem that we find ourselves in, every trial, it's not a when is it going to come to an end. It's Holy Spirit, strengthen me and give me power for it. God wants each and every one of us who have chosen to follow Jesus to have this Holy Spirit, to give us strength and courage and power. On the day that Paul was first filled with the Holy Spirit, so so there's Jesus saying, don't start my work. Don't even waste your time doing this commission of Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the world. Don't even do that until I've given you this gift. And so today, we're going to explore that because we don't want anybody to feel like they're doing the work of Christ without that empowerment of his Holy Spirit. On the day that Peter was filled with the Spirit, on that first day of Pentecost, this is Peter who had messed up properly three times. He spoke with such a courage, such a boldness from the realm of heaven that 3,000 people were sold on what he said in that day. That's absolutely extraordinary. And we have access to that spirit. So today I'm asking Kimball's to come up, and we're going to um, hear a little bit from Kimber. It's not that Kimber's the only person in this community who has the Holy Spirit. It's just that she's a little crazier than the average person. And we've probably seen evidence of it in some of her interesting antics. And um, so, yeah, could you also bring me one? Thank you, because I'm all wired up here. And um, you're supposed to have jeans or a belt and... Um, 
I was too scared of Jay tuning me, so I thought I'd try and go with something a little bit trendier. Um, yeah, you know, when, when thinking about courageous community and the Holy Spirit, I just wanted to share one funny story that um, makes it easy for Kimber to pop to mind when you're talking about such things. We'd had a pre-meeting here one evening, and everybody left, and I was left with this little crazy lady, and she's like, hey, come with me. And literally, we hopped over the wall, got like dragged over the wall. There's a wall at the bottom that's short enough, even for her, um, <laughs> to get over. And we went to the police station, and... Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you don't ask questions, you just go. You just get dragged along by this little pint-sized um, dynamo. And um, we, we got to the police station, and there was a police van, and, and out, out was coming a man in, in cuffs. And Kimber was like, there, let's go pray for him. So off we go, and we start praying for him. And while we're praying for him, his, his dad and his mum and sisters get out of a car nearby, and they're broken, because this is their son, and he's done something horrible. And um, there was just such brokenness and disrepair between this father, particularly, and son. And so we prayed for them, and we prayed for reconciliation and, and love with them. And we, we saw that situation completely change and shift. And the next thing, the police officers were coming out and saying, please pray for us. And um, so we had a jolly old time in the car park next door. Um, our poor husbands were like, where are these women? We left them, and they should have been home hours ago. But anyway, um, so yeah, that, that's um, something that I, I really celebrate about Kim. She, um, she does inspire inspire me to courage. And you know, not, every, not, not everybody's going to be that person in a community, but boy, we need some of them because they get us all uh, going along and doing these crazy wild things. So um, Kim, thanks for being willing to share with us today. Um, I think we can often look at somebody who seems to get up and just speak this like Holy Spirit language and assume that it's been a part of your life, like that you came out and, and spoke a word of knowledge to the doctors on your birth. Um, but <laughs> um, can you just actually tell us a little bit about your, your faith journey with your family and your upbringing? Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, it's actually pretty terrifying being up here talking and not leading worship. Um, so looking back on my life, I really can see the hand of God over me. Um, I was raised in a, a wonderful home, um, but I now realize that what I was raised in was actually a cult, and it was very religious, it was very controlling, and um, there wasn't much of the Father's love in, in my upbringing. Um, but the one thing that stood up or out for me. So the Father God's love. Now, I was very loved by my parents, but when I saw Father God, it was, it was kind of scary. And um, the one thing I realized is that my spirit knew his spirit before my mind actually knew him, if that makes sense. Um, I think that, um, yeah, I, th I think that what we, we know of Kim's is that she has a very keen way of seeing into the spiritual um, realities around us. And Kim's, if you could just share where that journey started. Um, yeah, so from about the age of five, um, I can remember having my first spiritual encounter. But unfortunately, my encounters with um, the spiritual world uh, were quite terrifying. And um, I was woken up many nights um, having, yeah, experiencing very hectic things and not knowing how to navigate them. My parents were amazing, but they didn't understand it either. So they went on their logic of, if, it, if you can't see it, it's not, it doesn't exist. 
So I was left as this little girl trying to navigate what I was encountering in the spirit realm or spirit kingdom. And um, yeah, it was very, very scary. It was only later on in my adult years as I was chatting to my parents that I actually realized that that house that we were living in um, was actually owned by Satanists. Um, before we bought it. And so what I was actually experiencing in that home was something spiritual of the evil world. Um, but my, already I was experiencing it as a little girl. I think um, for all parents, we can so um, unwittingly, without even realizing it, we can just actually potentially be shutting our children's eyes down to the spiritual um, realities around us. And I think um, that so often, like, uh, you know, Kimber's parents and I've done this myself, we, we would think we're doing the best thing to reduce fear and say, no, it's not there, it's not real. When so often I think children are so aware of things that we aren't. And potentially we've even taught them not to see things that they're naturally seeing. Um, so I, w- I would encourage you always, if your kids are having experiences or seeing things that we can't physically see, to actually just stop and pray and, and to just engage with them and to um, sometimes by saying it's not there, we can almost make our kids feel a little bit crazy <laughs> um, because they're going, but I can see it or I can sense it. And rather to just say, this is your reality right now. Let's pray for peace. Let, so coach them through it rather than saying it's not there at all. Um, when did you first experience the Holy Spirit? So, um, yeah, this, is, this was a part of my life that I really feel like God's been pretty kind to me in. So we lived in Johannesburg, in the roughest part of Johannesburg, and all of a sudden my parents decided they wanted to move to Durban where our, um, the rest of our family lived. And my aunt had been praying for years and years that God would uh, break us out of the cult. And so she jumped on the bandwagon and enrolled my brother and I into a Christian school. So we arrived here in 1994, and yeah, I began to experience the charismatic Christian faith like I had never known before. Um, It really opened my eyes, and in that same year, I was 11. In October, I officially gave my life to Jesus. Um, And the beautiful thing about that was in the school that I was in, it was quite a, a family, real beautiful environment to be in. They saw the gift of worship over me and they just began to stir it up and gave me opportunity to lead worship in the morning. Um, And it began to do something in me. And naturally, as a child, you bring that stuff home to your parents. So we started engaging in these conversations about Holy Spirit and Jesus and Father God, um, which began to shift the atmosphere in our home. Yeah, um, I think I just want to differentiate something here. Sometimes um, people can make that decision to follow Jesus and invite him in to take over the throne of their life and in that very moment have a very powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes people make that surrender decision and say, Jesus, please take center place in my life and only down the line will actually have an experience of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't matter which one happens for you. Um, But what we do know is that Jesus wanted us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So Kim, can you talk to us about that actual baptism of the Holy Spirit moment for you? Mm. Um, So it was quite interesting. Uh, We were thrust into this very charismatic world and I just felt that I was just playing catch up really um, on the stuff that I didn't know because I hadn't been raised in it uh, which made this Holy Spirit stuff pretty freaky Um, the school we went to we had a compulsory church service once a term that we all had to go to Um, and my mom and dad weren't there yet they literally used to um, 
drop us off and fetch us three hours later. And it was around about the time of the Toronto Blessing. Uh, the Toronto Blessing, I just wanted to interject there. For anyone who doesn't know the Toronto Blessing, it was a, a time in Canada where um, there was like a, a revival of epic proportions in Toronto, obviously. And um, it, there, there were definitely, there was a massive spirit of, of God. There was a huge Holy Spirit movement that happened, but there was also some weird human stuff that happened and, you know, alongside it, some pretty non of the godly kingdom stuff also happening. And, you know, some people were drawn into that movement and there was radical stuff that came out of it. And, and some people were probably turned off by people who were darking like bogs and... Uh, bog. <laughs> Sorry, darking like bogs. You know exactly what I mean. Barking like dogs and running up lampposts and doing all sorts of strange antics. And um, it, was, it was a very interesting movement. It has it's hailed much criticism and much celebration. But people were kind of flying in from all over the world to almost like bottle the Toronto Blessing and take it back to their churches. And whatever kind of part of the Toronto Blessing they happened to come across, they would kind of bottle that part and take it back. And so you got some very strange expressions of the Toronto Blessing popping up all over the world and some incredible um, um, blessings um, coming, coming out of it. But um, it definitely was a movement burst in God. But with with beautiful things always come some weird, wacky, and wonderful. Um, but anyway, so that's what Kim's is referring to, and there was definitely a move, a, a wave of the Toronto blessing that was hitting the school that you were in. Mm. Yeah. And the churches. So it was absolute chaos. It felt like there was no control. It was just really uncomfortable. And um, yeah, it, my brother and I were really terrified by it all. Um, but it was a few months later that my mom began to have a spiritual awakening. And she began to go, ah, something's not right. I, I'm reading about this Holy Spirit in the Word, but I do not, we're not being taught about who He is in the current place that we were, we were, we called church. So in 1996, we completely severed ties with the cult, and we went on this journey of um, finding a church that was conservative charismatic, because remember, we, not the Toronto churches, um, but something that we could journey on finding out who this Holy Spirit was for ourselves. And um, Kim, it's just that moment where you actually got baptized, it was your, I think what I love about this story is that, um, you know, you you want to find yourself in a place that's fairly balanced in the sense that there's like a, a real stability from the word and also this power from on high. And so your parents enrolled in a, in a Bible school. Yeah, so um, they um, enrolled in themselves in a Bible school that took place at UKZN um, once a week. And we would get lugged, my brother and I, to these sessions and we'd just sit in the back corner doing our homework while um, they learned. And the one night... Um, they were being taught about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and they were having prayer in the front and I was sitting in the back doing my homework and I just sat there and went, oh God, I want that too. I want that too. And I just began to follow the lead of what I could hear the pastor telling the people he was praying for to do, just start speaking, just allow the words to come. And next thing, God gave me this line of tongues um, and it was beautiful. And I realized in that moment that God, that the Holy Spirit had been with me my whole life up until that point, right from those early days of that little girl in bed, terrified. Um, he had always been there. But that night, I had gone, oh, I want you for me. You are mine. 
and it was like something hit me, and I realized there was a power that I had opened myself up to that was not mine, but I got to partner with. And over the next couple of weeks, it never left me. I'd wake up just beginning to speak these words in tongues, and probably for six months, I just used to say that line over and over, and then it just developed into something more. But more than that, something changed within me. And that same evening, my mom got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and she was just so passionate. It was wonderful, um, because she just, she opened up something that became very normal in our home. And she enrolled us for uh, my dad and myself and herself to be on the ministry team of a movement which was called Soul Survivor at that time. And they used to come and minister in South Africa. John will remember that. And um, yeah, we didn't know what we were doing. We had come out of a cult. We now met the Holy Spirit. And now we were on the ministry team. And it was so beautiful to watch as I began to pray for grown giant men and watch them fall under the presence of God. There was just no denying that there was something more there was something more than I had believed or known, and it wasn't me, it was his power. Um, so words of prophecy and knowledge began to spill out, and my tongues continued, but I was awakened to a whole new world. That's all I could experience, can explain it as. It was like, I've been living in the physical realm, but now I see, I see that spiritual kingdom for what it is. So I just want to quickly read... Um, a scripture in Matthew 3, verses 2 and verses 11. Now remember, this is the book of Matthew, but John the Baptist was speaking um, these words out. It says, the realm of heaven's kingdom is about to appear, so you'd better keep turning away from evil and turn back to God. Those who repent are baptized with water, but there is coming a man after me who is more powerful than I am. In fact, I'm not even worthy enough to pick up his sandals. He will submerge you into union with the spirit of holiness and with a raging fire. Awesome. Um, when we um, are filled with the spirit, there are the fruits of the spirit, which are the things that will just change and shift in our life. Love, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Um, those are the fruits of the Spirit. But then there are the gifts of the Spirit, which are speaking in tongues, um, and, and with tongues you get, you know, sometimes people can speak a tongue that is a human language that they don't ordinarily speak. Um, and sometimes they speak a tongue of angels, which is the one that I think can honestly freak people out. Um, but there are, there are many different spiritual gifts. There's a, spirit, a gift of faith is a spiritual gift. To, just have an extraordinary gift of faith or prophetic. Now, prophetic is God speaking to somebody for other people. So um, Kimber's next answer is going to be loaded with prophetic. But just so you know, every time you're prophetic, it's God speaking for somebody else or for a community or for a nation. That's what prophecy is. And I think, Kim's you, you have definitely um, walked in a gift of the prophetic. And can you just tell us about your journey with that? Um, so yeah, my mom at that stage was very open to the Holy Spirit, so she modeled Holy Spirit as pretty normal in our home. Um, it wasn't until I was about 14 that I began to realize something was different and that possibly I carried something different. Um, we grew up in Durban North. My brother is um, a very popular surfer who sat with a popular crowd on Amschlange. <laughs> Next will remember this. It was, um, you just had to, you really just had to have yourselves together. And him and I were 
we're 18 months apart, so we had the same set of friends. We hung out in the same circle of friends, but my brother didn't know when I was going to do something that was going to embarrass him. And all of a sudden, God started downloading these, like, um, dreams, pictures, words. I would just sense things for people, and I knew that I needed to be obedient. Like, that was the one thing that led me. It was when God has spoken to me, I just needed to be obedient with it. And I remember my brother just on numerous occasions going, please, Kim, please don't embarrass me, please. But I just couldn't help it. And oftentimes I was looked, um, I, yeah, I remember people used to call me the Bible on the bank. <laughs> it was like the Simschlunger bank. They would call me the Bible on the bank. But, um, and, I'm, and yeah, I wasn't obviously the most popular person. But when I did used to go and give those words to people, um, and the tears used to run down their eyes, and they used to go, how did you know? How did you know? That was when I realized, oh, this is so not me, because I could never have made this stuff up. This was literally me just going heaven channeling out. And it made me excited, and it made me courageous, and it made me brave, because that, when I saw that movement where people's lives were getting radically touched, that God could see them. And he knew them, and he wanted to speak over them. There was nothing better, um, even if it cost me my reputation and my brothers. <laughs> and it still does, Kimbus. People still see you coming and kind of hide behind walls. And yeah, people are terrified of me, and I get that. I really am so sorry to those of you who are terrified of me. Um, she is fully weird, but she's weird for, for God. Um, and I think, no, I think, honestly, there is a great cost sometimes to carrying to carrying these gifts and to being obedient to them and um, a lot of, of stepping into the things, as you can see and hear from this, require great courage because you will be considered weird. And fortunately, he doesn't make, you know, he doesn't just say like this one day and that the next day with all of us. Shame he did with Kimber, but, um, but there's a journey and he's a gentleman and he's got grace for our journey. And so I don't want any of you to think like you're going to become the Bible on the bank no. you know, if you have this um, Holy Spirit baptism. But if you, if you do, and that's what does happen, it's going to be at your own pace mm-hmm. um, with definitely moments of stepping out in faith and, and um, to having a bit of courage. Can but I just interject there? Yeah. So the, the thing that I, in this, you know, I'm speaking very generally and a, a real summary, there was a lot of growing in this area and still now to this day um, as an adult I feel misunderstood um, around this gifting and I've gotten it wrong many, many, many times. But the beautiful thing about this gift is as you partner with heaven or you partner with his spirit, um, it, you grow and you mature into it and you begin to, your hearing gets clearer and your eyes begin to see better. But it does take that courage of taking that first step and beginning to do, it might be a small thing, it might not be as um, out there as who I am. You might be interested and do it a different way, but it's still those little steps of obedience that unlock something inside of you. I just want to just, I feel prompted to add this um, in, into this thing, because, into this conversation, because sometimes I think people have been terrified of the prophetic, of, of people coming and saying something to them about God, and so they haven't gone forward for words, because sadly the church has used prophecy badly sometimes. They've used it to highlight sin or to highlight... Um, areas that are wrong in people's lives. And, and I just want to say that if that's happened to you, I'm profoundly sorry. And I pray, I trust, I hope that that would never happen in this environment. Um, a, a word from God through somebody, a, a word of prophecy should always make you feel loved and should always offer hope. 
And if it isn't that, you actually need to take the person to task and say, I'm not feeling good about that word. Can we unpack this more? And be willing to pull somebody else into the conversation. But a word of prophecy should give a sense of hope and it should make you feel loved. Paul said, if it's not through love, if the spiritual gifts are not given with a spirit of love, then they are just a loud clanging symbol and they are of no value. So please, would you all remember that and carry that tight? If, if it doesn't make you feel good, it's not. It's probably gone a little bit off, and that person is probably not trying to hurt you or damage you or bring shame or anything into your life, but they just need to be helped to, to do it with a, a greater spirit of love. Um, sorry, I've spoken too much no, that I wasn't great. meant to say there. Um, Kim, can you talk us through um, just things that have required courage that you know has had to be courage from the Holy Spirit? Just just share um, one or two things with us. Um, there's been so many, but I've picked two. So I definitely think this church, this site, I had to take a huge step of courage. Um, we bought land here when I was pregnant with my second child. No, first. And I was, my heels were in. I didn't want to leave Durban North. I love Durban North. And um, as I began to ask God, why are you taking me north where there's nobody that I know? Um, he just, he shared with me that he wanted to plant a site here. And so I went to Ross. Um, Ross is the big, the big boss. Ross is the big boss. Florida my Road. big brother <laughs> of Florida Road. Um, and he was currently leading the site that we were in. And I just said to him, Ross, I really feel like God is calling us to go north because he's going to plant a church. And I feel it will be within the time frame of three years. And he laughed at me, as he does often. And his wife had Very a often. nervous giggle because she knows, Ross, don't do that. Um, and he said there was no plans of going north past the Mgeni River. He was very adamant of where God was going to plant the church. And literally three years, almost to the month, we had our first Olive Tree North Coast service. And it took a lot of courage because in those three years, I missed my friends in Durban North. I missed my community. Um, I missed... Yeah, we were driving back through. It just felt oftentimes like, flip, did I hear God right? Um, but yeah, sometimes it just takes time for that to be revealed. But it took courage to stand there and go, this is what I believe that God said. The other thing, the other area was a couple years ago. So I lost my mom when I was 19. She died of breast cancer, and it was literally a seven-week decline. Um, healthy mom, seven weeks later, no my, I'd lost my mom. And I wrestled with God around faith and healing for a long, long time. And my theology around the Father and healing was really messed up. Um, God began to do something in me in 2015, and he began to challenge me around my theology. And the one day... Um, we were busy standing with, in faith for a friend who had eye cancer, and she was having a particularly bad day. So we went to her house to go pray for her, and she said, please, before you pray for me, please can you pray for my housekeeper? She's got a brain tumor, and now she's just been diagnosed with fourth stage um, breast cancer, and she really needs a touch of God. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not, like God and I were wrestling already, we were wrestling around this healing thing, so I said, okay, Literally, I had faith as small as a mustard seed. And I began to pray. Well, first of all, I was like, can I test it out? Can we, can we just feel how big that thing is? Felt this lump. 
then began to pray. 15 minutes later, checked it. It had disintegrated to a marble size. And I stood there going, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. Continued to pray before it had completely and utterly disintegrated. She ran off, hands in the air, screaming Jesus around the house. I stood there kind of going, I can't actually believe this just happened. But the faith and the courage that it took for me to pray into an area that I was still walking with with God um, around believing his truth for healing was, it took pretty much all of me, but it radically changed the way that I had faith for other people. And so, yeah, I just, I think every one of us have moments in our days where we can step out in faith, even if we don't feel like we have the faith or the measure of faith that it's going to take, just to do it, just to be obedient. Um, yeah, that was, that was huge for me. Kim's I'm just looking at the time, and I'm, I'm going to chop out one last question, um, but I'm going to just, I wanted to leave with this. Um, so I hope that we have convinced you that in order to move in faith and to, to do the things that God has destined for us, we need the Holy Spirit, because otherwise it will be exhausting and it will run dry. Um, but secondly, um, I wanted to leave with this because we wanted to go, why is it important for us as a community to have the Holy Spirit? And um, some of you would have missed when Kim's um, had this word a few weeks back, and I just wanted you to share this again, um, Kim's, for this community, why it's important that as a, as a community we move in the Holy Spirit. Please would you just share that picture you had? Cool. Before I share that picture, I, just, I also just felt God saying this morning that he wants to, I go back to this quite often, if we can position ourselves to see ourselves as soldiers of heaven, okay? And we hear this all the time, police of heaven, whatever it might look like for you, that we basically carry the authority to, to look at somebody in a situation and be able to either release them, free them, protect them with what comes out of heaven through us. So we get to go, no, this person, there's something over this person that isn't that isn't of heaven, and we get to set them free. So this word that God gave me for our year was a word um, of unlocking. And God showed me this picture of um, all of us. Um, everybody in the picture had handcuffs on, and they were bound. But they also had a big jailer's set of keys on them. And God showed me that the interpretation of this picture was that we are all bound in some way. We walk outside our, our gates and, our, and we walk into our normal our lives, our daily lives, and people are bound. Us sitting in the church here are bound, and, but we also have a, a set of keys. And you might have the authority or the, the understanding to go unlock somebody else's handcuffs. You can't unlock your own but you can unlock someone else's, and someone else may be able to unlock yours. And so we've got to see ourselves with, that we carry something of heaven, um, and that is who the Holy Spirit is. He's our set of keys. Um, he's the one that unlocks, and he uses community to do that. He could come in and do that just miraculously, but then why would we need community? Thank you, Kim. Um